0: We are thankful that you're here tonight to study the the Word, to worship the Lord, to exalt His name, and we thank you for your presence, we know we have visitors with us, and we are thankful for you being here. We also have Karen with us for the last time, and we want to thank her for all that she has meant, all that... um, Max did with her as well for this congregation. And God bless you, Karen, in, um, in your new journeys. And uh, it will be a blessing to hear from you and, and hear how you and your sons are doing. Proverbs ten twelve says, Hatred stirs up strife. But love covers a multitude of sin. In the last quarter, um, Bob and Phil were teaching through Proverbs and all kinds of ideas fill my head as we go through that book of Proverbs. If, if I could live as long as Methuselah and preach as long as him, my goal would be to come up with a sermon on every verse from Proverbs 10 through 22. Now, if you've read that section, you know that's very difficult. Uh, because it uh, jumps around so quickly. But this is one of our best known statements in Proverbs. Love covers a multitude of sins. And one of the reasons why Proverbs 10 verse 12 is so well known is because it is one of the few Proverbs that's quoted in the New Testament. Proverbs isn't really quoted frequently in the New Testament, but in 1 Peter 4, 8, the Bible says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. But tonight we want to look back at that statement in its original setting. What does that mean? What does it mean that love covers a multitude of sins? What does it not mean? First of all, Proverbs 10, 12, you notice as we were reading that Proverbs ten twelve is what people call an antithetical proverb. And what I mean by that is one side, uh, one part of the verse gives one side of the picture and then the opposite is given by the other verse. For example, in Proverbs 10, 12, the opposite of love is hatred. And while love covers a multitude of sins, this is the opposite of hatred stirring up strife. And so we are presented with the truth by telling us the reverse side of it. Now that's a good way to teach. It's a good way to teach, to give us both sides of the coin. For example, in Proverbs 15 verse 1, a classic illustration of an antithetical proverb. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Those lines teach the same thing. One teaches it positively, a gentle answer turns away wrath, right? the other negatively, by all the trouble caused, by a harsh word. And most of the Proverbs from 10, one to 22 and verse 16 are in this type of antithetical arrangement. So whatever it means that love covers a multitude of sins, it's the opposite. Of hatred stirring up strife. And we need to be reminded, and the book of Proverbs is a good place to be reminded, of what a serious sin it is to stir up strife. Turn your Bibles back to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs 6. In Proverbs 6, you remember verse 16 says, There are six things which the Lord hates. Yes, seven that are an abomination to Him. haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, And one who spreads strife among brothers. One who spreads strife among brothers. Proverbs 6 verse 19. This is something the Lord hates. This is something that is an abomination to Him. Now, if you look at the context of Proverbs 6, it, it may be... That the one who stirs up strife in verse 19 is even the focal point of this whole context. You notice in verses 12-14 through 14 that there is, of 12-15, a further description of this wicked man. And one of the descriptions given in verse 14 is with perversity in his heart, he devises evil continually. He spreads strife. And the Lord hates the one. Who spreads strife among brothers. The Lord hates the one. Who drives a wedge between people. And is dividing people. Hatred does that. Hatred stirs up strife. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, John, would you like to come up here and... Where I can use you as a personal example, but but no, I need help. And, and John is number one substitute with our board behind Jesse. Um, it's very important because if the person cannot perform the duties of running the telestrator, the first runner up has to take that. You just duty. want to write again? Yeah, yeah. I want to write yeah. again. Thank you. You might want to sit on that front row. Okay. And by the way, I also sent in the PowerPoint tonight that didn't work, so we're we're 0 for 2 almost. What does it mean, though, that love covers a multitude of sins? What does that mean? And how does it work out in life? And I want to tell you, I understand how it can look in this context. Like, if we really love someone, we're just never going to say anything to them. We're never going to question them. We're never going to try to straighten out their behavior. We're just going to accept them just as they are. You would probably have a better chance of getting away with that In every other book of the Bible than you would Proverbs. Because there is no book that extols the value of, no book that extols the value of rebuke like the book of Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 19 and verse 25. Proverbs 19, verse 25. Strike a scoffer and the naive. May become shrewd, but reprove one who has understanding, and he will gain knowledge. Reprove one who has understanding, and he will gain knowledge. Look at twenty-five verses eleven and twelve. Twenty-five verses eleven and twelve. Like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Now you've heard that verse before. Verse twenty-five verse twelve. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. This picture of apples of gold in settings of silver portrays an image, puts an image in our mind of a beautiful picture, a beautiful setting. And the Bible says that's the way it is with a word spoken in the right situation. But what is that word spoken in the right situation? In verse 12, it is a wise reprover. A wise reprover to a listening ear. In Proverbs 27 verses 5 and 6. The Bible says better is open rebuke than love that is concealed faithful are the wounds of a friend but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy in 28:23 he who rebukes He who rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Now, we could go on, but I think you get the idea. I think you get the idea that this doesn't mean that we try to conceal everything wrong that a person has done. It doesn't mean we never confront them with anything they have done. But what does it mean that hatred stirs up strife? But love covers a multitude of sins. And, and truly, it is interesting that those verses start with hatred and love. Because often our attitude toward them determines how we're going to respond to their failure. If they are our child, or if they are our close and trusted friend, we may respond to their failure much differently then we respond to that failure of someone that is really on the borderline with us anyway. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers a multitude of sins. I want us to look at a couple of other proverbs and just see basically what I think it means. If you look in 17, I want to tell you one of the things that I think this means. That love covers a multitude of sins. And that is we will refuse to gossip about another person's failures and another person's wrongs. In Proverbs 17, verse 9, the Bible says he who covers a transgression seeks love. Now notice what's contrasted with that. Notice the opposite side of that. He who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates each of the things. Let's suppose around this city today there was one church. They had five people baptized. And let's suppose around this city, this day, there's another church where a preacher resigns or an elder resigns because they committed adultery. Which we will we hear from? Which do we delight in spreading? Which do we view as good news? Covering a transgression is the opposite of repeating a matter. Look at chapter 26. Proverbs 26, verse 21 says, Like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire, so is the contentious man to kindle strife. Like charcoal to the wood, charcoal to hot embers, and wood to fire, a contentious man to kindle strife. Now... The contentious man, who is that contentious man in verse 21? Who is kindling strife? Well, again, look at the context. And I know that that's harder to say in Proverbs, in this section of Proverbs, maybe than any point of the Bible. But look at verse 20. For the lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no whisperer, contention quiets down like charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire so is a contentious man to kindle strife the words of a whisper are like dainty mortals and they go down into the innermost parts of the body now it's interesting to me that the contentious man of verse 21 we may ask who he is but I think the context helps us identify him verse 20 and verse 22 tells us he is A whisperer. He is one who is rejoicing in telling other people's failures and other people's faults. And He provides the kind of fuel to keep the fire going, to keep the trouble brewing, the same kind that you do when you provide wood for the fire. But I want you to look at verse 22 again. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels. They go down into the innermost parts of the body. Now you probably have a good cross reference there. If you don't, it would be good to make one to Proverbs 18 verse 8. Some of these proverbs are so important they had to be said twice. And this is one of them. The words of a whisperer are like dainty morsels. They go down into the innermost parts of the body. The whisperer who is telling other people's secrets is dealing. He is serving you a tray of delicacies that are almost... Too delectable to ignore them. And sometimes the problem is we really rejoice in hearing them. Now I have shared with a couple of you the... Uh, I recently read a book that has nothing to do with Bible preaching. I read a book on Taika. Now, first of all, how many of you know who Taika is? Taika. love you raise your hand. If you don't, shame Okay? Yeah. Okay, how many of you have heard that Ty Cobb was a terrible person? He was an evil man. He was a racist. He was guilty of all kinds of crimes. How many of you have heard that version of Ty Cobb? I can remember when I was playing baseball, as an eight-year-old, someone on the team telling me that Ty Cobb used to sharpen his spikes before every game and try to cut the opponent. So it's a rumor that goes back in that way. The writer of this book argued that all of that is untrue. It's not untrue that Cobb had a lot of faults. He had a lot of faults, he had a lot of problems. He one time was heckled by a fan in the stands and went up running into the stands and beat the fan up. So it's not a man without problems. But a lot of the worst things you've heard about him and the worst stories you've heard about him, including that one I just mentioned about sharpening the cleats, that they weren't true. And he produced letters that showed that. But he said, I don't believe this book is going to kill the myth of the evil Ty Cobb." And he said, the reason is because we love to look at someone, particularly someone that was an incredible success as he was in his sport, the first baseball superstar ever. We love to look at someone that's an incredible success and think we're a lot better than they are. Is there some truth in that? Is there some truth in the fact that we love hearing about the failures of great people because it makes us feel better? Superior and so the words of a whisper are like dainty morsels and they go into the innermost parts of the body. But Proverbs 17.4 says an evildoer listens to wicked lips and a liar pays attention to a destructive tongue. It may be the welcome that we give to gossip reveals who we are too. I was once in a city with a friend, and I found a friend, though I knew that he was extremely critical of others, and he said something about a preacher that that I knew well, some of you would know, that I just didn't think was right, I didn't know all the facts about the specific situation, but I just didn't think they were right and I didn't originally say anything that night I was thinking to myself when this comes up what am I going to do? what am I going to say? I may not know about this incident but that just doesn't fit what he's saying doesn't fit this person's character. Well should sure I? First that person, yeah, and I said, "Let me tell you a story about a difficulty I faced one time, and how this preacher helped me and strengthened me in the midst of that situation." And the person story. And he said, well, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. And all criticism stopped. Maybe to think of how others have helped us and to spread that story can be a good way for us to counteract when someone is going too far in running down another brother, another believer. You know Proverbs says more about this subject, but that's one way love covers a multitude of sins. But a second point. Look at Proverbs 19 and verse 11. Proverbs 19 and verse 11. The Bible says a man's discretion makes him slow to anger. And it is his glory to overlook a transgression how does love cover all sins love covers a multitude of sins by overlooking transgressions now In this context, and I realize this is an interpretation, but it seems like to me the idea of overlooking a transgression is the idea of forgiveness. There are some things that are serious. There are some things that if it happened or if a person did them, them, they cannot be swept under a rug. No way. There are other things that is inevitable in life as we interact and we deal with each other. That there are going to be perceived slights and perceived insults that were never intended as such. And while there are points that we do need to say something, we do need to talk to people. There are other points where we need to just let things go. To forget it. That it's no big deal. That does not show weakness. That shows strength. It is His glory to overlook a transgression. And how many times have you people talked to you, and I am thinking of one specifically, and something between two preachers? Where he specifically took something as a grave insult. I told him, I know that person. I know that situation. That is not true. That's not true. The inference you're drawing from that circumstance. It wasn't anything to begin with. A man's glory is to overlook a transgression. Now we have said we don't sweep, sweep everything under the rug. There is a time to rebuke. Going outside the context of the book of Proverbs for just a moment. But in, Proverbs cha- in Luke chapter 17 verses 3 and 4, Jesus makes both of these points. In Luke 17 verses 3 and 4, be on your guard if your brother sins, rebuke him. So there is a time to rebuke. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Just as clearly as the Bible says one, the Bible says the other. If he repents, forgive him. And listen to how far Jesus takes that. In verse 4, if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. Now, don't you imagine that sixth time or so you're going to start to wonder? Starting to wonder, is this guy really If he sins against you seven times a day, And return seven times saying, I repent. Forgive him. Forgive him. It is a man's glory to overlook a transgression. Some things have been said to me very directly. bothered me at all because in some of those cases, in the cases I'm thinking, uh, the people who said them, though they said strong things, were people I knew who had proved that their life loved and cared, and it didn't bother me. And even sometimes if they made an overstatement. It doesn't define our relationship. Is a person's glory to overlook a transgression. Now, one of the things that makes me a little bit hesitant about this verse. To apply this to forgiveness. That is not a subject. That is often discussed in Proverbs. As practical as Proverbs are. Forgiveness is just not a subject that comes up a whole lot. So therefore I don't have a lot of extra passages to give you from Proverbs. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. That love does not take into account a wrong suffered make one more point, and let's again go outside the context of the book of Proverbs, to the book of James in the New Testament. And in James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, the Bible shows us a picture of... Of love covering a multitude of sins. We cover a multitude of sins by refusing to gossip. We cover a multitude of sins by being willing to forgive. And we can cover a multitude of sins by leading a person to Christ. In this particular case, it is a brother who has strayed from the truth in verse 19. So brethren, if any among you strays from the truth, and one turns him back. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. When someone has been. Someone who's a brother has strayed from the truth. Someone who's a sister has strayed from the truth. They're walking away from God and you go and you warn them and you try to teach them and you plead with them to bring them back. When they come back to the Lord, that is the preeminent illustration of covering a multitude of sins. Notice here in this context, it is used in parallelism or pretty much parallelism with saving a soul from death. You're saved. A soul from death, covering a multitude of sins. There is nothing that you can do for a person that will have the benefit to them. That you will do for them, the good you will do for them if you lead them to Christ. That was not a well constructed sentence. But I think you get the message. I think you get the message. Return a soul, save a soul from death, and cover a multitude of sins. Josh and I are trying to teach the high school class and the night of teaching about Philemon. When Paul is writing to Philemon and telling him to receive back, O Nesimus, whom I have converted in my imprisonment. And he sends him back and he says, And I do not say to you that you owe me your very self as well. And it's translated differently. You owe me your soul. It's verse 19 from Philemon. I take it from that statement. That Paul had been the one who converted Philemon. Paul converted Philemon. And Paul is gently reminding Philemon, because he converted him, and he covered a multitude of his sins. And Philemon, you owe me everything. You owe me everything. I'll tell you stories that never get old to me. When People tell me the stories of how they were converted to Christ. And I ask you, tell that story if you've got one that is significant. Tell it to me if I haven't heard it. Because maybe it will give someone else an idea of what we can do. To help another to cover a multitude of sins. A very simple lesson, but one that I hope that can help. Let us pray. Oh Lord our God, You are kind and gracious to us. You have provided forgiveness. You have overlooked our transgressions. At great cost to yourself. At the death of Jesus on the cross. Lord, we owe ourselves to you. For you have saved us from death. And you have covered the multitude of our sins. Thank you, God, for your grace and mercy. Help us to practice what we see plainly written in your word. Help us to practice it, help us to live it, help us to be your people. To have you as our God. Lord, we all need prayers. For those who are sick. For those who are suffering. For those who are weak physically. But at this time particularly, Lord, we we do pray that you bless Karen. As she begins a new course in life. We thank you for her time here, for The time that that she was with Max here as well. We thank you for that. We pray you to hold her in your hand. Hold her, support her. And Lord, her with all of us. With all of these that we pray for who are sick. With all of these that we pray for with difficulties. With all the ones we have announced. We pray that you will bring us all home to you in heaven and save our souls from death. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need forgiveness, if you are carrying a load of guilt, a burden of sin, and you want that burden lifted, as we sometimes see, burdens are lifted at Calvary. If you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that He rose again, if you believe that and want to respond to it by repenting and be baptized in Christ, we invite you to come.